2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
4: Ron and You know, I think to be successful in life, I think to be successful in auto repair, you really got to know yourself. You got to know who you are. You are you. The car doctor. Go buy the cheapest round head, old school headlamp you can find. All right. Okay. It's going to cost you 10 bucks or less. It's mm. not going to be a lot of money. Run down to the local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tell them you're looking for a test. You know, it was a peaceful week. It, it really was. We um, we were on vacation last week, so, you know, stories from the shop. I've got a few. They're going to be old stuff that I was thinking about during the ride out to Pittsburgh. We took a, a little bit of a ride to uh, Pittsburgh to see uh, to see family. And, um, you know, it's good, right? you got to recharge the batteries. It's important, no pun intended, being a mechanic, but you've got to do that. And, you know, you zip along the Pennsylvania Turnpike at... 80 miles an hour trying not to get run over and, and, and you know, stay safe. And you get to think, and you, your mind kind of wanders a little bit. Of course, the excitement was that the northeast here in the in the United States was getting pounded by a snowstorm, but we left just ahead of it, and we came back right after it. And I will say this. The technology does come in handy. You know, you don't appreciate the technology that cars have, uh, developed into, you know, until you get to use it, until you get to utilize it. Traction control and ABS and and all the different sorts of vehicle stability safety items that they pack into cars. I don't know if we want to pay for it because I can't imagine when it breaks how inexpensive it's going to be. Um, and expense has to be on your mind, right? It's funny, if you go out to the Facebook page, I posted it five minutes before air. I was cleaning out files this morning and I came across an invoice and I've had this in my possession for geez, uh, 25, 30 years. Uh, it's a copy of an invoice from a company called Coleman Halloran Inc. Scientific Service, Patterson, New Jersey, home of the great Lou Costello, dated November fifteenth, nineteen forty one. So it's been around a little while, and I've got it wrapped in plastic because I don't want it to, you know, fade away. And it it it's for a Mrs. P Petri somewhere. I think it was I think it was Patterson or Oradell. It kind of faded in time, but. Um, she had a 39 Plymouth in 1941 that she was getting serviced. And this, this 39 Plymouth, you know, um, the oil change was 75 cents. They did some kind of tune-up in the engine for three bucks. They adjusted the brakes for 75 cents. They checked the shocks and said they were okay. And they repacked the front wheel bearings for a, a dollar. The entire service was7 dollars and50 cents. And if you live in New Jersey, you can really appreciate it because you look at it and there's no sales tax. So it was before the, uh, the, the they decided we needed sales tax to pay for things. I guess that's when people worked. But uh, you know, 750. 750 doesn't put two gallons of gas in the car a lot of times nowadays. And you look at that and you say, but by the same token, you look at it and you say, gee, 39 Plymouth, would I want to go to Pittsburgh in a 39 Plymouth? How long would it take driving through a snowstorm, driving over mountain highways covered in ice and, and, and so forth? And you think about how much more stable the car is. We were in a 2018 Ford Explorer with a broken navigation system, I must point out, by the way. Uh, they still haven't figured that out. And you're thankful for it. You really are. Um, yeah, it's it's a great story, right? You know, if you're a regular listener, you know we've got a 2018 Explorer in the family in XLT. Great vehicle. like the vehicle a whole lot. There's a lot of good about it. but Ford, this has sync three. Uh, their level three um, communications with the navigation radio heater touchscreen in the center of the dash. And Ford still hasn't sorted it out. They still haven't figured that out how to make it work because in the last year and a half, I'm gonna say last year and a half, it's been back three times and they've done two software updates, a hardware change, and it works for a little while and then it's broken again. And they, they, they have no answers uh, so far. Um, in all fairness to them, I know they're working on it. And as I told the service writer that I'm working with Dave, and I think Dave's doing a great job, um, got to think a little outside the box. There's there, there's something else going on here. I, personally, I think, it's a, I think it's going to be hardware. I think that uh, technology is changing so fast that the hardware can't keep up with the differences in phones or differences in satellite radio or something's evolving and changing, or they're just bad parts, which you know, could be that too. But um, very grateful. It was a nice ride. Uh, you know, we made Pittsburgh in six hours. I don't think I could say I would do that in a 39 plymouth i think it would take a whole lot longer i think you'd be exhausted too right uh you know either that or we'd all be more physically fit we'd have arms like gorgeous george trying to steer 39 plymouth down the highway at, at uh 55 60 miles an hour which was probably close to top speed for one of those right you know how fast how safe did you feel driving in that i mean this car was a tank this car that i found this in this 39 plymouth um it was in the old shop when we were when we were on the other street and what happened was this car sat at the end of the big giant parking lot that was part of the building. And nobody knew anything about this car. And we were in the building the better part of 10 years and we'd walk by the car, but we never looked inside. We didn't, you know, we we're too busy fixing cars. We didn't care. And one day we, you know, we had to look into it because we were junking it because the building next to the parking lot, there was a big stone wood older building in a lumber yard, um, fell on it. It fell on the car, dented the roof a little bit. We were still able to, you know, push the car out on the four wheels and then get it up on the flatbed. At that point, they scrapped it. They they It had been a trade taken in at the local Chevy dealer there in North Jersey that um, had taken it in trade. The Chevy dealer was out of business 15 years, and they just never knew what to do with it and throw it in the corner of the lot. So I go through the glove compartment. That's where I found that invoice for the 39 Plymouth, and I kept it. I thought that was kind of neat, um, you know, sort of a look back in time. November 1941, right? What was the world like then? Just so very, very different, and about to change in 30 days, and uh, you know, just just neat stuff. So we went to Pittsburgh, came back, uh, made record time coming back, which uh, we 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 rode ahead of the snowstorm, or the tail end of the snowstorm coming back. And I learned, you know, because I like to go on trips, I like to drive around, I like to look at different repair shops i mean that's my thing right what else would i do pittsburgh is interesting we were in the jeanette greensburg area so uh, i guess that would be the southeastern area of pittsburgh township and you know a little bit outside of altoona altoona we're up there on altoona radio uh we're about 45 minutes uh west of there when we're in jeanette and you know it's funny they still have what i call the smaller mom and pop store They have, you know, it goes from very rural Pennsylvania to high tech, you know, uh, silver, platinum, and glass dealership fronts to the chain store. I mean, the variety is more than North Jersey has, uh, which is home based to us. But, uh, you know, it made me think how is technology going to change or how are we going to change? How are we going to adapt to that? I read an article in one of the trades this week that talked about. The fact that mom-and-pop repair shops, there are 1.5% less repair shops in the last year at the mom-and-pop level, and they base it on number of employees and you know sole proprietorship to smaller operations. They've lost one5 to 2% of those guys have either retired, not been replaced, just can't keep up. The technology continues to climb. Recently, it seems like the industry is above with ADAS. ADAS is the buzzword, the automated driver assist systems. And it's becoming a, a stumbling block. It really is because there's no there's no way around it. You know, that 39 Plymouth didn't have it, but the 2019, if Plymouth existed, would, but the 2019 any other car has it. Where you take a bumper off to do a headlight, you're probably affecting the ADOS system because there's sensors in the bumper. You put a windshield in the car, that windshield, that camera has to be calibrated. You do a wheel alignment, that ADOS camera system has to be calibrated. And the cheapest entry level I'm seeing right now to get into ADOS is a minimum investment for a repair shop of 30 grand. It's not like writing a tool on the Snap-on truck for a hundred bucks. It's thirty grand. And then there's software updates and, and and calibrations that have to be made. And then there's the issue of space. And as I was driving through Pittsburgh and around Pittsburgh, I kept thinking that in the back of my head. That place can't do it. That place can't do it. That place can't do it. And I think if I looked at a dozen businesses, three out of the dozen had the space because you need I forget how I think you need a thirty-foot bay, or you need a thirty-foot bay, and then thirty feet of extension space in front to set up the calibration cameras and and mirrors and the ability to actually calibrate the system, so the cameras can see the road and just crazy stuff. And I come back and I find this invoice for this thirty-nine Plymouth, and I go, I bet they didn't have any ADOS system on that, and the car ran just fine. Probably not as comfortable, but um, just just a variation, just such change, right? Such a change in technology in, in, in less than 80 years, uh, never mind 40 years, uh, since that car was traded in. Which is kind of interesting, too. I asked when that car was traded in. I knew the owner of the dealership. That 39 Plymouth was traded into the Chevy dealer against a new car in 1974. Start doing the math and think how old that car was. Um, you know. And that car just sat there for the better part of 20, 25 years before. It was just the building fell on it, so we had to get rid of it can't have a building fall on a new car. Um, You might hurt the building. So Anyway, let's pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'm here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. Again, 855-560-9900. Give us a shout. Let's talk about your car and its problem. I'll be here waiting for you. Don't go away.
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
6: No purchase necessary. DTW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
0: For the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855 560
4: 9900. Now, back to Ron. And then. Welcome back, by the way. we, we <laughs> I get back to the shop, and, you know, of course leaving a repair shop trying to get away on a vacation just is difficult it just is it's it's and you get back and now you've got this we had we had 31 inches of snow in north jersey uh where the shop is and okay i put the plow truck with the plow inside the shop figuring okay i'll just come out and push the snow how hard could that be big chevy three-quarter ton pickup you know big Western plow, and um I only got stuck twice in my own parking lot trying to push snow, which is very, very frustrating. Just Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. The car doctor got his truck stuck. Yeah,
4: Tom, I'm telling you, there was just so much snow. If snow was a nickel a pound, I could have retired. Uh, it, was just, it was just amazing how much snow there was. And the problem is it gets, it gets all wet and heavy. But I did, I did come up with an idea. That I'm kind of noodling because, you know, I was able to call someone and they, it doesn't take much. You just need a little bit of a tug to get you off the snowbank because the snow gets tucked up under the plow frame and it just pulls the front wheels off the ground. There was that much snow because the plow was getting pushed over because the snow was so wet and heavy. I'm going to make a, I have to work on this, but I want to make a winch that sits on a tongue that goes inside the trailer hitch opening. And then just lock it in with the pin, and then just you know extend the cable out, wrap the cable around a fence post or another vehicle, and pull the truck off that way. Uh, this way, you don't have to wait for anybody. I think that would I think that would probably work. Uh, but it's it's just you know so frustrating. You're trying to uh, um, you know plow the parking lot, and you're stuck. And then the rest of the week, I I did shop work. I, I cleaned up the shop in different places. I did different things. I. Uh, um, Uh, I started cleaning out tool cabinets. You think it's scary cleaning out your closets at home? Try cleaning out tool cabinets of a repair shop you've had for 45 years. I found in mint condition three, three, mind you, download modems, you know, telephone modems for bulletin boards and internet service from 1996, 97, and 98. These modems were so old they were made in the USA. And, uh, yeah. and I told you to put them on eBay, right? Uh, yeah. You know, Tom, I thought about it, but I just, <laughs> I threw them out. I couldn't help it. I, I just, maybe we should have given them away here on the show. Maybe, but I don't know what anybody, what would you do with them? You know, it, it kind of reminded me of, you know, how technology is just going to pass us all by. And that's part of the problem with a repair shop. You know, when, when I drive around and I look at repair shops and I think who will survive and and how will they survive? You know, the mom and pop shop. They can buy that hundred-dollar tool every week. They can afford that hundred-dollar tool every week. The guy walking in the door is now going to ask them, "Hey, you got to spend thirty grand like that? Just, just boom, done. You've got to do it. You've got no choice." And you know that's the next evolution, because the problem is going to be that that mom and pop repair shop is going to have to pull a bumper off at some point to do a headlight bulb or they're going to have to do a wheel alignment that's going to affect the steering angle sensor or something is going to require calibration of the 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 ADAS systems, the self-driving systems, the camera systems on the vehicle. And they can't do it. They they don't have the room, they don't have the expense, they don't have the they don't have the ability to buy the technology. You know, everybody's all excited. I I, I actually heard some people talking. We we, had stopped uh, at one place along the road, and we we were walking through because we didn't want to sit, obviously, because of the pandemic. And people were talking about GM and the 2035 mandate of all electric vehicles. And I could have gotten involved in the conversation so easily, but I just, (laughs) you know, nobody's stopping to think. I mean, it's great, right? It's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll change our carbon footprint in theory, which is a whole nother conversation. I, I don't necessarily agree with all electric, but, you know, it's back to the $100 tool thing. You can afford the $100 tool. You can afford the $500 tool with payments. You can't afford the technology. It's going to be very difficult for smaller repair shops to keep up with the technology. And then what happens? Then the neighborhood loses that neighborhood repair shop. And all of a sudden, take the car down to the guys on the corner is over. And then who's there? And it made me wonder, I started to think about the kids at the trade schools, Lincoln Tech and Dover Diesel and all the other places, the kids that are going to trade school to be mechanics. And I don't want to dissuade anybody, but, you know, let's keep it real. It's not going to be what it is today in 15 years. It's not going to be what it is today in five years. And you're trying to get people into a trade where it's a minimum of a $20 to $25,000 investment and then they that's for the education, right? Minimum. And then they come out and they've got to buy a $35-40,000 set of tools at a job making at best what are these shops paying? 15-20 bucks an hour, $800 a week on a good day. And then in 15 years it's all going to change. In less than 15 years some car companies say they're going to be all electric by 2030. By 2030, you know, you're not going to need all those tools. Think about all the tools you don't need to fix an electric car. I mean, I don't need half of what I've got. I don't need two thirds of what I've got because what's going to break? The electric motor is going to come out. The, the wheels and tires have to come off. Uh, you know, the braking system will be different. The cost to learn that technology is going to go up. I just. So I look, at, I look at what they're saying, what General Motors is saying. A 2035, we're going to be all electric. At what price? Um, yeah, General Motors might be able to put out the car, but who's going to fix it? And who can afford it? You want to see something really neat? Go out to YouTube and go type in GM assembly plant or GM assembly line. And you can see videos of older stuff that uh, you can see videos of older stuff where they're assembling older cars, and then watch the new stuff, the new videos, where they've got robotics involved, and and you'll be stunned. It's absolutely amazing. I'm Ron Anady and The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
6: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To
7: you get your truck stuck, <laughs> And God bless this trucker without missing a beat. He goes, nope, I was delivering that overpass. I ran out of gas.
4: Welcome back, Ronnie, the car doctor. Let's, uh... I have a suspicion here. I think technology has goofed up the phones. And I'm going to ask Tom. Tom, can you turn on the phones? Is someone there?
0: Yeah, they're on the phone.
4: Uh, I've got two people on the phone right now, but nobody's calling. I guess nobody loves you today. Well, no, you know, no, but I mean, I'm looking at the phone. I'm looking at the phone system. We're talking about technology. And uh, we can't get a phone system to work right in 2021. How are we going to get cars to work right? Is there anybody on hold on the phone system? Or am I crazy?
0: Uh no, I've got two calls here.
4: Huh? That's why I see nothing. <laughs>
0: okay, that's well. You should have said something. Because uh, first call we have is Peter from Binghamton, New York, who wants to talk about his eleven Camry four cylinder that with a humming from the alternator.
4: Let's do it. Let me. Uh, I'm going to reboot the phones on my end too. By the way, Tom. So, but hello, yeah. hello, Peter. Yes. Yes, sir. How can I help, run an Anion At your service.
3: Yes, I. Uh... I have a 2011 Toyota Camry, 2.5 liter. I got just about over 100,000 miles on it, and about a week ago, uh, my I had to change my alternator. I, it, the car was dying, at, and the, all the lights were coming on. And I got the car stopped. I checked the it; it was dead. And I checked the alternator. I jump started. I have a jump start box. I jump started it. And it does a test on the alternator, and it showed the alternator was no good. Okay. Right? So I changed I changed the alternator. After I changed the alternator, and uh, the alternator was bought at a reputable place that a lot of garages use that they deliver parts to. So I figured it, it, it's good alternator. Okay. I put the alternator on. I had no issues with it. And the next following day, uh, I start the car. Cold start only in the morning. The car may been setting for 10 hours overnight. Start it. The car starts up fine. And then a few seconds go by, 10 seconds. I hear all this, this noise coming from inside the engine. I don't know where it's coming from. Well, come to find out, it's coming from inside the alternator. Okay. And the light, And the lights dim for a second. And then all of a sudden, it goes away. Never have another issue with it again for the whole day until the following next day. So I just did it for a few few days. And I said, may, maybe uh, the, the alternator is a reject. I, I go back to the parts store, they get another alternator, I change the alternator, it does it again, and it still has been doing, and it's been about a week. The car charges, it charges fine, I checked it. It's charging, it's not, it, it turns over fine. And that noise is every morning.
4: Okay. And what it, makes it, you? What? How do you? How do you know it's the alternator?
3: I I catch it. I, I got. I started it and I got into the engine compartment. I can hear. I put the. I put it right up a. Uh, uh, a piece of. Uh, I I can hear it coming right out of the alternator. How it. it with a, I, I take a screwdriver and okay. I put my, and I can hear the noise coming out of the alternator. It's like a, it's like a, a electrical noise, and you can kind of tell that the, that the belt, the belts are fine. Uh, the the tensioner I changed. It's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's got a load to the, a, a load to the, to the alternator, and then all of a sudden it stops. It's just for a ten seconds or so.
4: I'd love to see. I would love to see voltage. Be, I would love to see voltage output and amperage output from the alternator at the moment when it's making the noise.
3: And, and the, this is the funny thing: is I have mechanic friends. They come to my work. At, the other day, he came and it wouldn't do it because it's got to set overnight. I got to I got to drop it off overnight somewhere, and it only do, it only does it when it sets long enough.
4: How old's the battery, Peter?
3: It might be about a year old. It's a, it was a, a Walmart battery. Okay. So I don't know. You get what you pay for, too.
4: Well, I'm not saying it's bad. Listen, nobody makes batteries anymore, except there's three companies in the country making batteries, and they're all making and They just brand it for whoever's the spec that they're now, running the assembly line for that day. Somebody, My-
3: told, somebody told me that I, I have not had the battery checked, that I might have a bad cell in that battery, and it puts such a load at the... The starting time when I start it, it cold, that it draws, it makes that alternator make this noise.
4: It could. That's why I said I would love to see voltage output, voltage demand on the alternator, and amperage demand on the alternator. And I'm still not, uh-huh. I'm still not ruling out a potential belt issue. Do you have a little spray bottle? You can put some water in. Yeah. Okay. So when the alternator is making this noise, can you get it right on the belt and hit hit the belt with a little bit of water? Does it change the noise I at could, all?
3: I could, uh, I haven't done that, but the belts are are, are, are not that old, and I, uh, everything is tight in there. All I mean,
4: right. well, I, I could is, do that. Listen, Peter, be be, be open to yes. change because neither's the alternator. The alternator's not old, and it's probably a potential no. problem. So new new doesn't mean good. You know, new no. means new but, means uh, now I, we got to diagnose.
3: It's not. I, I mean, to, this is this is two alternators that were brand new rebuilt understood I
4: guess. The, the, understood
3: not, it, it could not be a defect of another uh, alternator could it
4: uh, why not it could be could be anything and that's
3: another thing is Toyota the, the one that came on the car was one that had Toyota stamped on it right from the factory and these rebuilt they may be a little inferior compared to der- original OEM.
4: They could. Hello? What what'd you what'd you pay okay. for the alternator, Peter?
3: Uh hundred and eighty dollars I
4: think it was. Yeah, it's not cheap. It should be quiet. You it know. should it should be quiet. It should work. So let's do this, okay? Can your mechanic friends help you? Can you put a voltmeter on the system and look and see what voltage demand and amperage demand yeah. is at the moment that it's making yeah. noise? And can yeah. you yeah. and can you wet the belt to see what the belt is doing? Does wetting the belt make a difference or change? in the way that that works. And then last thought is let's work on the assumption that perhaps when you start it, it's heavy electrical load trying to charge the battery back up from cranking the vehicle over in cold weather. Binghamton, New York isn't exactly warm right now. So what would happen if you turned on the headlights on high beam after the vehicle sat for less than overnight or even just running? If you turned on high beam, rear foster, fan, put all the electrical items in the car on, does the alternator start to hum and make noise? If it does, the alternator can't keep up with its electrical output requirement, and I would tell you that that particular line of, that brand has a problem. Now, keep in mind, that brand probably has some sort of tech support at an 800 number that you could call that 800 number and say, hey, I've got this part number of your product. Are you having any known problems with it Cold. And listen to what tech support has to say, too. I'm not saying it's a bad part. Maybe it's a bad run. And, you know, you've got to sit down and sort it out. Don't assume because it's new it's good because new means never, ever worked. It's not field tested yet. Do those things. Call me back if you need more, Peter. I appreciate the call. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Zumo Play. Welcome back. We're on The Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. We're rocking and rolling. Let's get over to Sal in the Bronx with an 06 PT Cruiser. Sal, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
7: Hey Ron, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Hope you're safe, you and your staff. Yep, and, um, we're all rocking. Yeah, I have an O six. I have an O six uh, PT Cruiser. That last week during the snowstorm, it got stuck in the snow, and when I went to pull it out, uh, I was digging into the snow. Um, so I was trying to rock it back and forth between um, drive and uh, reverse. Right. And finally after about ten tries, um, I noticed my um engine light come on.
4: Check engine light. Correct. The orange so the, the orange check engine light. Yeah. That's okay. correct. Okay.
7: Yesterday I brought it to I don't know if I could tell you the name or Yeah, the, go ahead. Uh, Yeah. Uh AutoZone. Okay. And and they loan me this this gadget, you know, to put it into the computer.
4: Right. And they pulled the code. What was the code? Um,
7: uh, the code was P0573.
4: Okay. All right. According the...
7: to the gentleman, he told me that some sort of a brake switch that's also possibly connected with the the cruise control.
4: Correct. Sure. Right. So, you know, do the brake lights work, Sal? Everything in the truck operating as normal?
7: Everything works fine.
4: Okay. The so, only,
7: thing that, I, sorry, the only okay. thing that I did see differently, when I put my wiper blades on, as I was trying to set it at a different speed, they would get stuck to in in the center like, and that, that never really happened. But once I, I got it going, I, I just kept it on one speed and that was it, you know? I don't know if that had an, anything to do with it or not. I doubt it. But
4: right. Okay. Well, you know, P, P0563 cell P0573. P0573. But the car is operating normally. Yes. Okay. I don't I don't see the wipers having a connection. I think I think the wipers um, uh, it's, it's you know, it's it's just it's <laughs> It's got nothing to do with it, really. Okay? Yeah, um, I do not think, think so. You know, uh, 573, you know, and this is an older car, um, you know, 573 actually has to do with conditions inside the trans. And I know there's a software update out there. There's probably more than a few for an 06. You know, I mean, if you wanted to spend the money, you could have somebody run, run the VIN, And it gets expensive, but you could have somebody run the VIN through Chrysler software to see if there are any software updates for it. My suspicion is rocking the trans back and forth caused such a a radical, unreasonable change in operating environment, if I can say it like that, that the computer Mm -hmm. saw a glitch, especially on something that's, what, 18 years old? and the electrical's not what it once was, as crisp as it once was, and it said, whoa, wait a minute, something's at a parameter here. Boom, set the code. I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd clear the code, I'd write it down, I'd clear the code, let's see if it comes back, because if you can't duplicate it, all right, you're, you're chasing your tail. Like I said, I believe there's a software update out there, well, probably more than a few on that particular trans, for odd, odd fault setting issues with the trans. I remember this... Back around 10 12, I had somebody with a similar problem with regard to setting false trans codes that really weren't, I don't want to say not legitimate. I don't want to say this didn't, you know, it makes it sound like it didn't happen. It kind of cheapens what happened, Sal, if you know what I'm saying.
7: Well, let me just Go ahead. Let me Just say that the first time the gentleman put that um, that code uh, machine on. Right, the reader. And
4: he, what's it called? A code reader. Code reader, a scan tool.
7: The first time he, yeah, the 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 first time he put the code reader onto the car, he he had to take it back into into the into the store, and plug it into his machine to see what what what, what was uh, what the code was all about. Right. And the first time it didn't show anything. He says, "Let's go back out there and do it again." So we did. And then we came back into the store again. He plugs it into his, uh, I guess, his computer, and that's when the code uh, P0573 came out.
4: Right, and the, the issue there, too, is an older car, I'm not saying AutoZone doesn't have great scan tools, but they're older tools. They're not necessarily updated to current levels of um, uh, what a modern shop, what a a shop's going to have. Like I said, I'd clear the code, I'd write it down. If the code repeats, then you've got a legitimate problem. If it doesn't, I wouldn't worry about it. As far as the wipers, um, maybe it's coincidence I see no connection to rocking the car out of a snowbank. I do see the possibility that if you were trying to turn the wipers on and there was a heavy load of snow on the glass, perhaps the linkage itself has an issue as a result of that. And it may be a sign of an impending linkage failure that you want to get that looked at before they break in the middle of a rainstorm. Good luck to you, Sal. I appreciate the call. Ron and Amy, the Car Doctor. I'm back right after this.
0: Zumo Play.
1: Sky, love.
4: Welcome back. We're on the of the car, Doctor. You know, let me and let me finish this. We'll take calls again at the top of the next hour. Um, I, I want to leave the technology thoughts with you for this hour here. I found a copy of this through All Data News, the folks at All Data put out a monthly newsletter, alldata.com, and it's from Repair Driven News, it's, it's for the trade, and it talks about the 22 Jeep Grand Cherokee that is going to have night vision, hands-off, eyes-on, advanced driver assist system. Sometimes I call it automated, automated, advanced, same thing. Are you ready for that technology? Never mind, let's not even talk about repairing it. Let's not talk about affording it. Let's not talk about the implications and all the things that this is going to change. Are you ready for it? Are you mentally ready to drive a vehicle at night, hands off, eyes on the road, watching things go by? Are you ready for that? I don't know if we're mentally able to. I don't know if we're capable. Uh, You know, it's the ride out to Pittsburgh last Saturday night. Was, was eerie right it was before the snowstorm hit the area and it's dark in Pennsylvania all right there's no street lights or spotlights on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and when you get out to western PA it's dark baby and <laughs> you know if you turn off the headlights of the car it's pitch black and I thought about that driving out there and then I found this article on all data all and I started thinking to myself, are we ready for this? Right? Are we ready to take a ride hands off, eyes on, by ourselves, self steering car in the dark? Do we trust the technology that much? Makes you wonder. I'm Rod and in The Car Doctor, reminding you, till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.